All right. I promise I had this analogy planned before the results of the weekend, okay? So I'm not going to take you down that road again. But I, in honor of March Madness, wanted to give us a little two-step kind of window into the um, text today, just as, as I kind of saw it as I was going through it. And um, March is a good time to remember the, the basketball fundamentals. So uh, for me, I remember my coach just harping on these things all the time. It was like it, it, I had bad flashbacks of all the drills and all the things we didn't want to do. Uh, but it seems like in basketball, and I don't know about other sports, but it's all your instructions come in twos. There's an A and there's a B. You do this and you do that. You do this and you do that. Or maybe the instructions came to me that way because I couldn't handle more than two things at a time. Maybe y'all had three instructions at a time or something like that. I don't know. But for me, it was things like, now this was not to me, but some of you that played or that you've seen this. So let's, let's go through some of those together. The A and the B of basketball. What about shake and bake, right? It, shake is no good by itself because the defender knows where you're going. But the idea of shake and bake is deception. I intend, I want you to think I'm going this way. And then when you move, I react and the bake takes me the opposite direction. And so I get around you. Uh, like I said, I was never quick enough to do that one. But then you have the simple fundamental of catch and shoot. Does somebody want to throw me the ball? Here, we got a, any of you guys? Colin, Morgan, somebody throw me the ball? Here. All right. Okay, so it seems like it would be easy to catch and shoot, but it's real important. You know, you got to have your feet set, right? So when I get the ball, I'm already ready to shoot. So catch and shoot, another simple one. Um, then there was rebounding. And it was always the thing about the rebounding is great, but if you don't know what to do with the ball when you get the rebound, then it's it's no good because I can't dribble well enough to get the ball across the timeline. So I can get the rebound, but I'm just going to turn it over on 10 seconds if I don't pass the ball to somebody. So rebound and outlet pass, right? Rebound, outlet pass, A and B. Then what about the John Stockton, Carl Malone made famous pick and roll, right? Screen and roll. You block a defender. And then after you screen, you roll to the basket and you create kind of a little deception there with two people moving hard to defend. Okay, the last one, I always heard my coach say this over and over again. This is what you do when someone gets the ball and they look like they're about to enter the act of shooting. You approach them and then the, here's the two things, contest and block out. Contest and block out. You contest the shot and then you block them out so they don't get the rebound, right? So simple Good fundamentals, right? A, then B. A, then B. All these little great fundamental things about the game of basketball. Okay, there's our ode to March Madness to get us into the text. Jesus is coaching us in the school of discipleship here. He's, he's coaching us, and he's showing us an A and a B. And in fact, his disciples have already started to do this. And so Jesus, like all good coaches, he picks up on it when they do it right. And he says, yeah, that, that thing, that's what you do, the A and the B. Jesus is telling us that we have to receive and enter the kingdom of God like a child. Receive, enter. He's reminding us that we have to leave some things in order to follow. Receive, enter, leave, follow. Brings us to the story that Judy read for us today. On the heels of Jesus telling everyone that they had to become like little children in order to enter the kingdom of God, in order to receive the kingdom of God, this ruler comes up and asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Right? What is it that I can do to inherit eternal life? Jesus 
connected with people using language that had to do with other simple things that we did. So we know what inheritance means. This person had connected that to the kingdom of God. He goes, I want to inherit the kingdom of God. So what do I do? Calls him good teacher. And Jesus replies, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now you know the commandments. He says, you already know the law. And he rattles off five of the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting because there are five commandments that have everything to do with kinship, family, and community. It's the things that we have to do, the way we have to treat each other if we want to live in any kind of healthy community. Uh, the one that looks a little out of place at first is the one about stealing. But if I steal from you, I'm taking away what God gave you. So I'm disrupting community by doing that. So these things all deal with community, kinship, what it means to be together. And this guy responds, okay, I got you on the five commandments, Jesus. Roger that. I've kept those since my birth. And it's not really an arrogant statement. This is just what any good Jewish leader would have been expected to say. They'd just be like, have you, have you done this and done that? Like, yep, I'm good. I, I got that. I've been there. I've been, I've been there in my life. I've been doing those things. No murder, no et cetera. Which is a good thing. But when Jesus heard him, he said to him, there's one thing that you still lack. And it has to do with leaving some something behind and then following me. The A and the B response. And he says, what you need to do in your case is sell everything you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. This man begins to, at this point, fade out of the story. Jesus offers him an invitation, tells him what his next step is. He answers his question. And Luke tells us that the guy went away very sad. And he went away very sad because he was a person of great wealth. And, and he walked away. Also very interesting and instructive about the character of Jesus is Jesus lets him walk away. The guy says, I want out. I'm, I'm going away sad. And Jesus noticed that he was sad. He let him walk away. And then Jesus began to speak. And this seems crazy to me because I'm thinking Jesus was so persuasive and all his riddles and his parables and his stories. And why didn't he catch the guy by the arm and say, man, don't turn all this down. Do you understand what I mean? I just want you to live out the commandments. I, I just want you to live the law like this is what you said you've been living since you were a child. But Jesus lets him go. Jesus lets him go. He walks away sad. So Jesus, after he saw him walk away sad, he says to everyone who's listening, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And notice he doesn't say, like in the deal before, he doesn't say it is hard for those who have tons and tons of wealth like we could never imagine. He doesn't say, how hard it is for Jeff Bezos and McKenzie and their whole thing, how hard it is for them to enter the kingdom of God. He says, how hard it is for anyone who has wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And it's very striking. And this sets with us and it hits us hard. And I think it's meant to hit us a little bit hard because there is always the potential for wealth of any kind, any capacity variety to contest our fidelity to God. Now, we know from the Gospel of Luke, we know from Jesus' other teachings on money, 
We know from Paul's letters, it's not money that gets you in trouble. It's not wealth that gets you in a bind. It's the undue love of money. It's the love of money that gets you in trouble, right? It gets us in trouble when we love money ahead of other things. And we become slaves to that wealth. And then it contests for our fidelity. And it becomes an idol for us. So it's a, it's a potential thing for, for all of us and something for us to sit with. And some people on hearing these words throughout the Christian history, some people have at reading these words, like St. Francis uh, in whatever, you know, 1400 or so, have said, you know what? The way that I need to follow Jesus, the leaving and the following for me is going to be walking away from my family and taking a vow of poverty. That's what some people are called to do. We still have people today that take a vow of poverty in a variety of ways. And they say, I believe that what Christ is calling me to do as a witness and what it means for me to follow him is to leave behind all these things and to go take a vow of poverty. Now, for most of us, uh, we haven't sensed a call to like leave our jobs and leave our families and do the whole thing. And, and we remain where we are. But how does this sit with us? What is Christ calling us to do if it's not that? And maybe for some of you it may be that or, or someday. But we sat with this hard text and we listened to the words of Jesus. So Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And you got to love Jesus again with the hyperbole. He takes the largest animal of the region. He takes the tiniest thing you can imagine, a sewing needle. And he says it would be easier for a camel to get through the eye of this tiny needle than for us when we have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't never never seen a camel up close. I'm thinking like the largest thing I've ever seen up close and dealt with would be a Kianina bull. So you have, you know, a 2,500-pound Kianina bull. So I imagine Jesus saying to me, Ryan, it's easier for that Kianina bull to go through the eye of your tiny little sewing needle than it is for us and our wealth to uh, enter the kingdom of God. And so... You've got to love the question of the people that hear. They they are wrestling with this just like we are. And, and they say, gosh, Jesus, okay, then who can be saved? This seems absurd and impossible. Who can be saved? And Jesus replies with, well, you're right in a sense. In that with, you know, for man, this is an impossible task. But with God, all things are possible. Today we have the joy of receiving uh, some new members into our congregation, which is just a covenant process where we uh, we covenant to be present and to sort of bring our full selves into a church environment where we covenant to be members, where we serve and we and we do the stuff. We pray for one another, and and so it's a really a neat thing. And and in, on to get ready for that, we had a couple of membership classes where we just talked about some some of the basics of the Christian faith, and then what a Methodist you know, believe it might be just a little bit different than other traditions and that sort of thing. And one of the things that came up is our emphasis over the years on sanctification, right? Sanctifying grace, the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming us into the image of God. And it's really as simple and as seemingly impossible as love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the that's the sanctified life. If if we see one another loving God with all that we are, that's sanctification. If we see one another loving other people, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, it's a miracle. 
It's sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit at work. So we, we know what this is like to wrestle with these things that are impossible on our own, but by the power of the Spirit, through sanctification, you know, this, this can actually happen in our lives. So Jesus' answer to who can be saved and that all things are possible with God It's very applicable to us in trying to follow Jesus, trying to leave things behind and follow. And so Peter at this point chimes in, and I, I, I truly kind of chuckled when I was getting ready for the sermon this week. I'm reading along and kind of been going through this course, and people are responding. There's a long dialogue, and then all of a sudden Peter pipes up. He's like, uh, I, I got something to say. And I love it. It was like, you're reading along, you go, hey, hey, Peter, how's it going? I haven't heard from you in a little bit. Nice, nice to speak up. And Peter says, see, Jesus, we have left our things. And we have followed you. And, and again, reading along, you expect Jesus to say, Peter, hush your mouth. All right, no, enough of that. Don't sass me. Like I, you know, right? I know you've left everything, uh, but Jesus doesn't. This is where he comes in as the coach, I think, and says, "Okay, I've been pretty hard on you, and I've been reminding you that you're not picking up everything that I'm trying to tell you." But in this case, Peter says, "We've left our. Remember those fishing boats that we left behind? Remember our father's business that we walked away from? All the capital improvements, all my boats, all my nets, all my stuff. I walked away, and Jesus says." Amen. He actually says, truly, I say. It's, it's the word amen. It's like, you're right, Peter. You walked away and you followed me. It's this moment in, in coaching or in, in leading where you, you, just, you just affirm somebody and say you did it. You did the hard work and here you are. And then he goes a little further. And he says, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife, or brothers, or parents, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this age, and in the age to come, eternal life. Peter's saying, we, we did the two-step response, Jesus, right? We caught and, sh and sh shot. That doesn't sound as good. Catch and shoot. We did the thing, right? We rebounded and made the outlet pass. We left everything, and we followed you. We did it. And Jesus just repeats it back. He goes, yeah, you did. And you left everything. You followed me. And I'll tell you what, everyone who does that, they will be repaid many times more in this age. And in the age to come, there's a reward of eternal life. But Jesus just kind of ups the game and says, yeah, it's, this, is a, this is a big deal. And there's a reward for this. And Peter, I know it takes your whole life. And I know you've walked away from a lot. And I know there are times when you miss your family. But the sacrifices that you've made for the kingdom of God will be repaid in ways that only the kingdom can understand. Only the ways that children can understand. Because you hear, you know, the, the TV preacher version of this is, hey, you, you give your car away for the kingdom of God, God's going to bless you, give you three more cars. Right? You'll be repaid in this life. Like you give, maybe... <laughs> Some guys like to do. You give your family away, they'll give you a bigger family, a better family. Family doesn't argue with you. I don't know. Or whatever the thing is, whatever the prosperity gospel version of that. But Jesus is saying, I, you, you, I can't explain to you what the repayment's going to be like because it's going to be in the form of the body of Christ. 
It's going to be in the form of these relationships with other disciples. All the intangibles of Christianity. You're going to be repaid in this life. When I think about Jesus promising something and reminding us of the reward that properly, properly belongs to us as Christians, uh, as we anticipate eternal life all of our days, I think of this quote by C.S. Lewis from uh, his essay called The Weight of Glory. And it's a little long. I'm just going to read it for you uh, because he captures, I think, uh, a little bit of what Jesus is getting at, is that we don't need to shrink away from the promise of reward, that it's okay for that to motivate us. And it's okay to get that affirmation from Christ saying, yeah, I see that. I see that sacrifice. And let me explain that to you in kingdom terms. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. That resonates with me. I think Jesus is reminding Peter that, that you don't have to be easily pleased in the kingdom of God. It's okay to lean on the promise and lean on the reward and anticipate that there are good things coming, that this is not just asking you to make a sacrifice just for you know, just because you're a nice guy. So he puts this reward thing in perspective. And, you know, for me, as I've been thinking through this, I sometimes am a little better at making a determination and leaving something. I don't know if I've had more practice than that or I've, that's been overemphasized or what, but I, the leaving piece makes sense to me sometimes. It's the, the rebound piece. It's, it's the outlet pass that, that gets me in trouble. It's the, it's the following. It's the, it's the leaving something behind, but not just for the sake of leaving it. It's what are you going to pick up? What are you going to take that's the next step? What's the next thing that I'm calling you to do as a disciple? And so wherever you are in your journey of following Christ today, uh, my prayer for us is that we would hear the invitation of Jesus to leave something behind to follow him. And that's going to mean something different for each and every one of us. But I think he's calling all of us to do that in our own way. This is the kind of thing we hash out with one another and discern in our times of talking to each other and praying for each other. Jesus, what do I need to leave behind? What are my fishing nets? What are my boats? And what is it that I'm picking up as I take these next steps with you? So may God bless you as you ask those questions and as you take uh, those next steps uh, together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.